If you've been with us over the past several months, you know we've been in a series on the parables, and this is our last week in the sermon series on the parables, and so I felt like this was a good one to kind of end with. And if you kind of know the structure of the book of Matthew, both Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, those two chapters really focus a lot upon Christ beginning to point his disciples towards his ultimate Uh, death and then the resurrection and then his coming again one day, the expectation, the anticipation that he's going to come again. And and so there's a lot of different parables and there's a lot of different analogies and allegories that that he shares. And one of those is the parable that we're going to look at today, which is the parable of the 10 virgins in Matthew chapter 25. And while there's a lot there, the specific emphasis that this parable points us to, I think is of particular importance for us And not just in this day, uh, in 2022, but really for all of us as Christians, regardless of what season, regardless of what generation or time of season or life that we're in. And so I I certainly um, hope that we can have our ears open to hear that emphasis. And that's an important thing for us, because as we jump into this, we need to make sure that we have our hearts prepared to hear from his word, not my word. Um, not my, um, what I speak or what I say. If it's just my words, then that's not really beneficial. This is his word, his authoritative word. And it's useful for us for instruction and uh, conviction and all kinds of different things, encouragement. And I hope that if you're here this morning, that your heart is open and that you desire not to hear from Darren, but you desire to hear from him because what we know about his word is his word never fails, does it? His word never fades. His word is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path, and it should be like honey to our lips. It's a sword that can cut um, even to the deepest part of who we are as the Spirit works in us. And that's, that's what our desire is in this time. And so with that being said, I want to invite Mark up. He's going to be reading for us out of God's Word, out of Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. And if you're able, I know we just got done standing, but we want to stand out of respect for God's Word because it is authoritative in our lives and because we do this as a way to posture ourselves bodily to be reminded of God's um, awesome uh, power and Word that we're getting ready to hear from. So, Mark, I'll pass it off to you, brother. Thank you. morning, friends. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy it for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut." Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is God's word. You may be seated. 
Amen. Thank you, Mark. Join me in prayer. Father, we pray that you would help our hearts to be open to hear what you would have for us. Uh, Father, your son spoke these words to the apostles, to the people that were listening, so that um, years later we might be able to hear them and we might be able to have them and we might be able to have your spirit work in us to stir us, uh, to be mindful of what it was that you were trying to emphasize, what it was you were trying to get across to your disciples. Lord, I pray that you would get that across to us today as your people. 2,000 years later, that your spirit would still be active and moving and working in us as your people, um, leading us to be more and more conformed into the likeness of your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we need his presence. We need the presence of your spirit to lead us into truth this morning. Please, uh, please do so and guide us as we spend our time in the next couple of moments. We ask and pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so as we get into this parable, uh, Jesus is wanting his disciples, as we talk about and think about his second coming, as we think about him coming again, he's pointing this to his disciples with a desire that they might live their lives with a certain anticipation, with a certain preparedness for his return. But the question ultimately comes as we look at this text, and I think it probably jumps right at us, is what does that actually look like for us? How, how can we be faithful to what it is that Jesus is emphasizing in this text? And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about like, what, what's a good way for us to understand what it is that Jesus is getting at? And I thought about um, the time when we found out that Karen was pregnant with our daughter, Samantha. And uh, that was back in 2008, feels like it was an eternity ago, but uh, we found out she was pregnant. And so if you've ever walked through that process, you have some inkling of understanding what it is to anticipate something. Uh, it kind of changes your entire world. Now, maybe not initially speaking, like you walk through the slow stages of that, but Sam was to be born in late January. And so once the new year struck in 2008, like it kind of changed the way we saw everything, right? So it changed the way we thought about me going to work, for example. I no longer kept my phone on silence um, with no notifications. Like I was waiting, just what's gonna happen? It made us think about what happens if it, ha it, it comes in the middle of the night. We have bags packed, our grandparents ready to come and, and be with Isaac. It made us even look at how the weather was going to be in the forecast in a totally different way. Because we're like, okay, if it snows or it gets icy, what happens if she goes into labor and we've got to run to the hospital? Are we prepared for that? And we thought about that, and it really did affect every part of our lives. Now, it didn't stop everything that I was doing. I mean, I continue to go to work and continue to have to worry about cleaning the house and paying the bills and doing all those things, but it did affect everything that I was doing. Now, that's an important thing, right? Like, I could anticipate her coming. Like, I couldn't wait to meet this little girl. And I still did all of the things that God called me to do, all the things I normally had to do, but each of those things was changed because of my anticipation for my daughter to come. Now, here's the question. Do you, do I, do we live with a similar anticipation of Jesus' return? Are we prepared? Are we living with the same kind of readiness, the same sense of readiness every single day of our lives? Not a readiness that makes us stop living life. Like everybody here still has to go to work, or most of us do. We still have things we have to do and bills to pay and lawns to take care of, leaves to pick up. Like we have all that stuff. 
But are we living, even in the midst of those things, with an anticipation, something that affects the decisions that we make? It affects the way we do all of those things. That's the question for us today. And I think that's the emphasis that Jesus is trying to get at in this parable. This is what he's trying to get us to think on. So let's look again at Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. He says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So here's the setting that he gives us. There is a wedding that is taking place. A wedding is, is at hand. Now, in the first century, weddings were done very different than they are done at this day. And so what would happen is that there was a long courtship. But when the day of the wedding would come about, then the people who were close to the bride, the people who were close to the bridegroom, understood that the bridegroom was going to go to his house, prepare the house of his and his new bride. And then he was going to leave to go get his bride at her father, her parents' house. And then in a processional take that bride through the city to their new home and they would then celebrate and there would be this tremendous feast. And oftentimes these processionals would be done at night because they wanted it to be this big deal, this big ordeal where everybody could celebrate. And so, you know, carrying your torches through the city at night and celebrating, like it it kind of made everybody aware of what was taking place. And this is what Jesus is bringing us to. An image like this. And the point of the image is to help us to see that there is going to be a season of waiting for us. There's going to be a season of waiting of the disciples where they're longing and they're looking for the marriage to be completed, for the marriage to actually take place. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And those who were close to them, those the bridegroom, those who were close to the bride and the bridegroom, They've been made aware of the wedding. We have been made aware of the wedding. They're the ones who could participate in the processional. And this is now where we get the ten virgins or the ten girls. The Greek in that is actually not emphasizing the virginal component of it. And Jesus doesn't seem to be pointing that point out. His intent is to help us to see that these people were familiar. These women were familiar with the bride. They were familiar with the bridegroom. They were waiting. They weren't just random citizens. Random citizens didn't join the processional. These people knew And it's important to know that they were connected to the bride. They were connected to the bridegroom. They're not just strangers. They had a knowledge. They had an affection for this couple. They knew them. And Jesus uses certain analogies to even make this intent intent of his heart more specific. He talks about lamps and, and oil and light. Because throughout Scripture, those signify some very specific things. So for example, oil, what does oil signify throughout scripture? It tends to signify consecration, being set apart. This is the oil of grace that is received by God, intended to make us a light to others for the good news of what Jesus has done and what God has done through Jesus. So these girls, these virgins, are intended to help us be mindful of those who were anticipating the appearance of the bridegroom. They were wanted to be part of the wedding party. They even looked to be, in this mindset, part of the kingdom. But Jesus then makes a distinction. Like, they're not all the same. Even though they had all this awareness, even though they were there, even though they had oil and they had light, there's a distinction that he makes in verses 2 through 5. He says this, Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. 
For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they slept. The distinction between the wise and the foolish in this text isn't a distinction between what they believed or didn't believe. They all seem to be genuinely excited to see the bridegroom. They all seem to be genuinely excited to be part of it. Like they waited up last, they waited up late at night. They were there just waiting for the processional to come. But what made the distinction, what made five of them foolish, was their inability to persevere, to persevere in grace. This is the issue. This is what Jesus is trying to emphasize the warning that he's giving us, the challenges that he's giving to even us today. He is trying to raise a warning about perseverance. See, we may have oil to burn for a bit, the oil of grace. The question is, will we endure? Will we be ready? See, again, the foolish virgins, they would have believed. They would have made a confession. They may have prayed a prayer. They may have gone to church. They may have had some affection for the bridegroom or for Jesus. Maybe they had that in the past. But something in the past, no matter how genuine it is, isn't sufficient for today. And it's not sufficient for tomorrow. Yesterday's affection, yesterday's decision, yesterday's faith is not sufficient for today. It's not today's faith. It's not tomorrow's faith. Salvation is not about a moment in time though many of us have a moment in time where we've given our faith to Christ. It is about a day in and a day out walk of faith. A day in and a day out walk of faith. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't know if I feel like, I like this idea of people who who seem to have affection towards Jesus, and and that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Well, this is not only in this parable. You Think about the parable of the sower and the seed. So if you're familiar with that parable, Jesus talks about a farmer who goes out and he sows seeds on the ground, and that's the word of God is what Jesus tells us. And some people take that seed And they take it with joy. That's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And they take it. And and, and as they take that, they walk in it for a while. But if you know that parable, some of those plants that grow up get choked out. They don't endure to the end. And the point of that parable is like, listen, endure to the end. When trials come, endure. When you hear the gospel and you take the gospel and you receive the gospel with joy, don't let the cares of the world choke it out. This is a very consistent warning throughout the scripture. As the parable goes on, the foolish ask the wise for their oil. But grace can't be given, can it? Not by me, not by you. My grace, the grace that God has given to me, cannot be shared, no matter how much I would want to do so. Paul, oftentimes, if you look in the scriptures, he, he makes this lament, if, if only the other Jewish people could know what I know, and if they could only accept the gospel, then I would even be willing to give up my salvation, but he can't. Grace can't be shared. I have just enough grace that I need for this day and for my life. And so the foolish versions are like, man, share the grace, but they can't. And so they leave to try and find more And they miss the processional. They miss the bridegroom. And when they go to the house and they bang on the door, what are they told? 
Matthew 25. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Those have to be some of the most terrifying words in all Scripture. I do not know you. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to be entered into the kingdom of heaven. I don't think Jesus is asking us what we believe intellectually. I don't think he's asking us even whether we were baptized or not. He doesn't ask us what our, confer, our prayer of confession was years ago when we were young or how many times we went to church, how much we read our Bible. The question is, are we trusting Jesus today? Are we trusting Jesus today? Are we walking in readiness today? Does his return affect us today? Are we prepared? Are we prepared? So how can we persevere What does this actually look like for us? Well, there's three things that I think other areas of Scripture point to to help us understand what this looks like for us and as we walk away as what we can think of in our own lives. The first is this, that we should continue in faithful purpose each day. Every day. Continue in faithful purpose. If we have seen Jesus and we have sought to follow him, then every single day of our life is about the purpose that he has given to us. Like we've talked about this before in our sermons together, in our time, in the word together, where, where oftentimes we look at our own lives as the center of our world, right? Like it's everything that we think of is what we can get and what we can gain. And then Jesus comes in and we come to salvation in Jesus and he wrecks all of that and we begin to live for Jesus, for his glory, for his purposes and obedience to him out of love for him. We are to live every single day For that purpose, as the primary, it's not meaning that you ignore all of those other things, you ignore your own needs or any of those types of things, but he becomes the primary of every part of our lives, bringing him glory, living as an expression of love towards other people, being light, being salt in this dark world, proclaiming his greatness. It's the purpose of becoming more and more and more like Jesus, shining bright for him while we wait, like the wise virgins did. Their lamp continued to burn. It continued to go. They continued to be in preparation. This is a lifelong journey, and we need to continue in it. And we need to remind one another of it every single day. When the church heard of God's grace coming to those in Antioch in the book of Acts, they sent Barnabas to check out what was going on. And look what he found and what he challenged them to in Acts chapter 11, verse 23. When he came, that's Barnabas, and he saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with what? Steadfast purpose. He saw the grace of God and he said, listen, continue with steadfast purpose. Be faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. They had the oil of grace. They'd been consecrated. They had belief. They they acknowledged belief in Jesus. They even had light and good works at that time. But the question is, would they be steadfast in that? Would, Would they remain steadfast in that? We have a role to play. 
And we should not be passive in it. We should not be passive in it. And it starts with keeping ourselves in his love. Jude, Jude 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And we read that verse and it's important for us to be reminded. Salvation is by grace through faith. But we are all still commanded to keep ourselves in his love. And Jesus tells us exactly what he means by that in John chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? How do we keep ourselves by the love of, in the love of God? By obeying his commandments. That's not a rhetorical. Like, this is what he says. If you want to abide in my love, if you want to keep yourself in my love, then keep my commandments. Not perfectly. None of us do that. Like, we're all going to fail in that one day or the other or one minute, depending on your day, right? Like, every other minute, it seems like. But we have to continue to seek to obey his commandments. And when we fail, we rest in his mercy, we rest in his grace, and we continue to walk forward. This is not about an intellectual life. It is about purpose. And you remember those terrifying words, I do not know you? Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 8, 3. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. How many of you want to be assured that you are known by God? I do. You know what this tells us? That if we love God, then we will be known by God. And how do we remain in the love of God? By keeping his commandments. Like this, is, this is what the scripture is calling us to. And I know this brings up a lot of questions about salvation. And, you know, were the five virgins, the, the foolish virgins, were they ever really saved in the first place? Listen, this text isn't trying to answer that question. The point is to be faithful in our purpose, to be steadfast in our purpose, to keep ourselves in his love by keeping his commandments. And that in doing so, that we would bear fruit as evidence that we are known by him, that we know him. Walking in faithfulness is evidence of being known by the Lord. Which leads me to the second point. Not only do we need to continue each day to walk in our purpose, but we need to continue in the grace of God each day. Look how Paul urges the believers in Acts, in Acts chapter 13, verse 43. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor of God to give us what we don't deserve. Grace is the unmerited favor of God to give us what we don't deserve. It isn't something that we get just one time. We have to walk in grace. That's an important thing for us, isn't it? Now, there's common grace that's good for all people, right? Like when the Lord's sins rain down upon our land, that is common grace. It's unmerited favor that we didn't earn that he gave to both the righteous and to the wicked. That is unmerited, that's unmerited favor 
That's uncommon grace. But he has also given to us the grace of being made sons and daughters of God. Amen? Unmerited favor. We've been brought into the kingdom and adopted, though we deserve nothing. Oftentimes we think about the grace of God as if it's this one-time moment where we confess something about Jesus, we're baptized, we have the grace of God come upon us, and then we walk away from that grace. No, no, no. We are to walk in that grace every day. Every moment of every day. We have to. We need to. When my um, dad adopted me as a little kid, I was a curly-headed, obnoxious, ornery, little what, four or five-year-old, give or take. I don't know. And I know this is something the culture would not like to hear me say, but I didn't earn that. I wasn't a worthy child of him adopting me. That was gracious. I didn't do anything to make him step into my, my life and offer to be my father, to step into all those roles and provide and care and teach and provide a home and education, all those things. I didn't do anything to gain that. That was grace, unmerited favor. I was just an ornery little rug rat. It wasn't because of anything in me. Now, I think I was pretty cute, but that wasn't, that wasn't the point, right? Like, like, he graciously adopted me. Now, oftentimes we go and we get adopted by Christ, and then we're like, okay, awesome. Now I'm just going to go live my life. Imagine if it was a four-year-old, my dad adopted me, and I said, you know what? I don't want to be a McClintock. I'm going to continue to be a Mayfield, which is what I was beforehand, and I'm just going to continue to walk as if I am that. And I'm not going to live in your house, and I don't want to gain your wisdom. I don't want any of those different things that you're offering to me. Like, that's not walking in the grace that's given to me. Even in this day, I have to walk in the grace that's given to me by my father. When I call him up and I need help with something around the house, like, he doesn't owe that to me. That's graciousness. I have to continue to walk in that grace, walk in the provision, walk in the name that he's given to me. Like we are called to walk in the grace of Christ. This is not a one-time thing. Every single day, you and I need the unmerited favor of Christ, don't we? We need his strength. We need his help. We need his guidance. We need his wisdom. Are you walking in it? Are you walking in dependence upon him to give you what you need for this day? If we are seeking to be obedient to his commands, we're going to quickly find we don't have what it takes. It's not as simple as just do it. Not in the Christian world. We can't just live the life that he's called us to. We need his unmerited favor. We need him to continue to give us that strength, to continue to help us to walk in it. We need his spirit in us, which is grace. Every day, his spirit resides in me. It is unmerited favor. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that every day when you wake up, that his spirit continues to reside in you is unmerited favor. You didn't do anything to deserve it. And any good thing that you did do was because of him in you, not because you did it. So we're to continue in our purposes, but we're to continue in grace. We need his grace to walk faithfully. We need it when we fail to walk faithfully, don't we? 
The danger comes for us when we don't feel that we need his grace anymore. I got this. Or we aren't walking in a way that makes us dependent upon his grace. Worse yet, when we just don't think about the oil of grace at all. Like we just don't think about it. We don't think about how many times we are dependent upon God's unmerited favor. We feel entitled, don't we? Entitled to life, entitled to breath, entitled to rain, entitled to homes, entitled to air conditioners, entitled to cars. Listen, we're not entitled to any of that. The only thing we deserve in the eyes of a holy God is justice. And yet, he gives grace every day, every minute, every breath. And we have to continue in that grace. We have to continue in that grace as we seek to continue in our purpose. But not only do we do that, but we also have to continue in faith each day. Paul's effort, his goal for the believers in Lystra and Iconium was an effort in strengthening the souls of the disciples. This is in Acts chapter 14. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter into the kingdom of God. You may remember last week, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how late the night gets, how evil the age becomes, we are to continue to trust that the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. Maintain your readiness. Endure. Persevere. Walk in trust that his ways, they are always higher than our ways. Even if you don't understand it, even if it doesn't feel very good right now and in this moment, we are to continue to trust and have faith every day. Every single day. We're to continue to fulfill our purpose as believers Continue to walk in his grace no matter how little fruit we see in our lives. And that can be hard. And we're going to continue to walk and trust that he is coming again. This is such an important thing because so many people, so many young people in particular, like we live our lives with kind of just not feeling like we're aimless. Like it's just about going to work and making money so we can provide for our families, that we can have some entertainment, go on vacation and do all these types of things because that's the purpose of most people in this world. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have been given something entirely different. Something to drive towards, something to pursue. Christ has called us into his redeeming work. He's called us into his reconciliation and the work of reconciliation. He's made us ministers of the gospel, ministers of his reconciliation. Like we're called to something grand. We're called to something much bigger than ourselves, much bigger than this moment in 2022. And to do that, we have to walk in grace. We have to walk in faith, trusting him every single day. And Jesus in this parable, he's saying, listen, persevere, be ready. Don't just... Don't just think because you know some things about me or because you have some affection for me that that's sufficient. Follow me every day. Every day, die to yourself. Every day, bear your cross. Every day, brothers and sisters, if we don't, do you hear the warning of our Lord? 
we might find ourselves knocking on the door saying, Lord, Lord, let me in. People often ask us why we would want to adopt again. We get that question probably more than any other question when it comes to adoption. And the simple answer is this. We want to be faithful to the purpose that God has in our lives. It may not be a purpose he has for your life, but it's the purpose he has in our life. He's called us to do that. And we want to be faithful to that purpose. And you know what? As we walk down that path and as we walk down that purpose, it's not to fulfill some hole in ourselves. It's not because we feel like our family needs to be bigger. Goodness sakes, that's not the case. I don't need any more kids to drive around the city. It's not because um, we feel some need to be the savior of every child in the world. That's not the case at all. We want more of Jesus. And we know that we're going to find more of Jesus when we're faithful to the purpose that Jesus has called us to. And it happens to be what he's called my family to. And in the process of doing that and engaging in adoption, because this is the second one we've walked through, here's what I can guarantee you. It's really hard. And it requires a lot of grace. It requires a lot of grace. It requires a patience I cannot find within myself. I need him to give me the grace of patience, unmerited favor, unmerited ability to love and to give kindness when it's not deserved. Like I need him. And when I fail miserably, which happens really regularly, like I need his grace to continue to be bestowed upon me. I need his mercy every morning. And I get to experience and walk in that grace more because we're stepping out in a faithful way in accordance to the purpose he's given to us. And I see him be faithful to show, to show up and to be our strength and to be our help. And there's a lot of days, I'll just be honest, it feels like we're alone. It feels like days where the promise for God to restore the years the locusts have eaten and to bring healing to a child that's walked through a lot of challenging things, like it feels at times like that's not, he's not going to be faithful to the promise to do those things. So we have to also walk in faith. Never give up. Continue to drive forward in the purposes that he's given to us. Listen, this is, this is just one tiny example out of my life. You, you've been called to a million different purposes across this room. And as you try to fulfill those purposes, as you try to be ready and be prepared for his return, you're also going to need his grace because you can't do what he's called you to on your own. And you're also going to need faith because there's going to be a moments when you're walking down that path where it feels like he's not there. Where it feels like he's never going to come. Anybody ever feel like, man, like the night is long. And here's the thing for us, even for those, for those of you who have been walking with Jesus for years and years and years, it's so easy for us to just get complacent. Never get complacent. Never get complacent. Because whether you see him when the sky opens up again and he returns the second time or you see him because you close your eyes and you rest and you see him for the first time in heaven, either way, you're about to see him. So be faithful to the purpose he's given you. 
You're not done until he says you're done. None of us are. So are we ready? Are we ready? Are we living according to the faithfulness that he has for us? For the believer today, I simply ask the question, are you continuing in the purpose that he has given to you? If you say, I don't feel like I have purpose, listen, I challenge you to start opening this up because it is full of your purpose. To love, to care, to serve, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to step into places like foster care and orphan care, missions trips, the gospel, being kind to the waiter, the waitress that you're going to go out to have serve you at lunch today. There's a million ways that that looks in each of our lives. You have a purpose. Are you faithful to it? Are you living your life in anticipation as if he could come today? Are you continuing in his grace? Are you continuing in faith? Is your light burning? Are you ready? We don't know the hour and we don't know the day. Doesn't mean you stop everything you do, but it does mean that that anticipation should affect everything you do. To those who aren't ready, maybe it's because you've been relying upon a past decision. I made this decision 15 years ago. I made this decision when I was six years old. Therefore, I just think I, I'm, I'm in the kingdom of heaven. Those of you who have lost your first love, those of you who are relying upon maybe your Bible knowledge or how often you go to church, are you watching for Jesus? Are you living in anticipation? Like, this is such a challenge for us. And maybe you're in this space today and you're hearing this, and you're like, I'm not watching for him at all. I never even knew him. The warnings that Jesus is making is that once that door is closed, it's closed. Don't waste time. Don't think you can wait for another day because another day may never come. And I know that's a hard warning, but it's the warning Jesus is giving to us. Don't rely on yesterday's faith for today. Pursue Christ. And here's how I want to close our time. I'm going to pray for us. Before we enter into a time of communion, I want to just give you a chance to respond. And so we're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song. And while we sing a song, I want to encourage you to respond in your own heart at some level. If you're in this space this morning, you're like, man, I, I am trying my best to be faithful to the purpose that God has given to me, to walk in grace, to walk in faith every single day. And praise God. Maybe you need some encouragement, though. That can get hard, and it can get long, and it can get exhausting. And that's why we have one another, to encourage each other in that process. Maybe you're in this space this morning, and you can honestly say that you're one of those virgin girls that's sitting there waiting for the processional, but you didn't bring oil. Like, you're not, you're not continuing in your purpose. You took Jesus and you've got affection for Jesus and you're here and that's awesome and I'm glad you're here. You're listening online and that's awesome. 
but, but you really don't have any purpose for Jesus at all. And you're not walking in any form of his grace at all. And you're not really walking in faith day in and day out at all. Listen, if that's you, you need to see the warning that Jesus has for you this morning. Go get the oil. Go start to walk in the purpose that he's called you to. Go, go continue in grace and continue in faith before he comes. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just like these virgins, like, knowing the wedding is coming isn't sufficient, brothers and sisters. They knew it was coming, but they weren't prepared. Don't let that be you this morning. And if you're here this morning, and listen, you don't even, you didn't even know about the wedding. Like you're one of the strangers. Like you don't know Christ. You don't know the bridegroom. You've never heard that gospel. You've never given yourself to the gospel. You never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ in the first place. Listen, that same day is going to come for you as well. In an hour and a moment, you don't expect it. Just like the people in Noah's day who made fun of Noah for building the ark, when the rain came, they suddenly realized the trouble they were in and they ran to the ark and banged on the door and they couldn't open it. It was too late. Don't let that be you. Don't let it be you. It Take the moment of his patience and his favor and hear the word of God say, come to me, that you might find salvation. Come this morning that you might find salvation. And I would just say to all of us, don't harden your heart to the Spirit of God this morning. If you harden your heart to the voice of the Lord, it will only get harder. It will not get softer. And so as we sing this song, if you feel like, man, like I, I feel like I need to do something, like I need to engage in something. Maybe you don't even know what, but you just feel like the Spirit of God is convicting you. Don't just hear that as like, oh, this is a hard message. You know, that may be the Spirit of God speaking to you. And the intent of this message is not to make you doubt your salvation. Please don't hear that. That's not what Jesus is trying to get at. Jesus is saying like, be prepared, be ready. But listen, I also want to say this. Some of us may need to doubt our salvation. Some of us may need to hear the voice of the Spirit say, maybe you aren't prepared. Maybe you aren't in the kingdom. Maybe you're relying on something else. And listen, I just don't want you to hear that this morning and walk away from this place unprepared because he's going to come back at an hour and a day, none of us know. And you may not have another day. And so I'm gonna pray and as we then stand and sing, I'm gonna encourage you, even if you don't know the words of this song, to just listen, join in worship, join in prayer. But if you wanna respond in some way, I just encourage you to do so. We're going to have elders, pastors, prayer counselors up at the front. We want to pray with you, talk with you. Maybe you're just like, this felt really scary for me this morning. We want to just help walk you with that. Like, we don't want to leave you by yourself in that fear or that struggle. So I want to invite you to come during this time. Or maybe you've got another prayer request. Or maybe you just 
you just need some encouragement. Either way, we, we want to pray with you this morning. Father, your son came to give us light. He came to give us truth. He came to give us the way. And he's given us this parable. He spoke this parable to his disciples as a warning to remain prepared for his eventual return. We don't know when it's coming. We can't control that. But we can control what we're doing when he comes. And by the power of your spirit, we can be faithful and continue in our purpose. We can continue in grace and we can continue in faith. And I pray this morning, Father, that you would stir our zeal to be prepared, that you would stir our zeal to walk in these things and walk in readiness, walk in anticipation, Father. I pray for those this morning that are not ready, they're not anticipating, that the, the cares of the world and the distractions of the world have begun to creep in on their lives. Father, would you deliver them from that? Would you speak to them through your spirit, convict them this morning that they might have freedom, that they might live new lives after this day. Father, I pray for those that are in the space that don't know you at all. You know their hearts. You know the ones that have not even come out to see the bridegroom. Like they just don't care. Father, I pray that you would open their eyes to see the good news. That you would open their eyes to see that this is a time of your love and patience and favor, that you are offering to them the gift of grace through faith, through trust in Jesus. Father, would you help them to hear your voice say, come all you who are weary and heavy laden, that you might find rest. Come follow Jesus. I pray that they'd hear that this morning and they would cast their lives before the throne of our Savior, that they would lose their life, that they may find their life. I pray, Father, that you would do that work this morning. I pray and ask these things in your name.